0: Thank you again for being here today. God bless you. The Lord loves you. I love you. We've got an afterglow tonight. Um, you know, I like, I like pimento cheese sandwiches on the end pieces of bread, toasted, with about that thick of pimento cheese in it, or sprinkle some sharp cheddar on top of the pimento, you know. And uh, I like that. I like fried chicken. I'm a Baptist preacher. Billy Kelly, big, heavy evangelist, I guess he's dead now. I, I hadn't heard about him in a long time. He, okay, he a big camp meeting preacher and, and really moving, a tremendous singer as well. But when he would sing, he would sing in a bass voice. When they ring those golden bells for you and me. Then he'd get in the pulpit and throw his Bible down and say, well, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> and uh, at camp meeting style preaching, you know, and he, he was a blessing. We, uh, we're in Colossians. We're looking at our walk with the Lord. Um, great to have Taylor, Taylor and Chelsea back home, safe from Greece. Did you really have a good time? See a lot of things and enjoy all of it? Good, good. Praise the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And look over at chapter 2, if you would, in verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you or take you captive through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now we've seen that the church at Colossae had... Some difficulties with false teachers. And we deal with people all the time in this life that are a little religious. They may belong to the church, they may go once in a while, but if you pin them down and said, If you died today, are you assured that you'd go to heaven? Many of them do not have that assurance that they're ready to meet the Lord today. And many people associated with churches have gone through classes about what their church believes, their doctrinal position as a church. But if you don't study that sort of thing often, they'll forget about what they're supposed to believe and what they don't believe. It's amazing to those of us who are trained Bible students that when we speak to people about what they believe in their church, that we actually know more about what their church teaches than they do themselves who who are members of the church. Because often some of the things they teach are not biblical. False teachers at Colossae were teaching it's not enough to have Christ. That you have to do other things. The Jewish aspect was that you had to keep the ceremonial laws and the Levitical diet, the... uh, Seventh-day Adventist church today teaches that you must obey the Levitical diet or you can't be saved. And that's, uh, that's false teaching. It's foolish and it's something that people um, go through self-abasement trying to earn favor with God that if they were genuinely saved they could have favor with God without worrying and they could eat some bacon once in a while if they wanted to, you know um romans 14 17 says kingdom of god is not meat and drink but it's righteousness and holiness and godliness forever leviticus chapter 11 deals with the levitical diet all the things that the jews were not allowed to eat and it was clear that was a part of their covenant relationship with god to obey that diet and it was also good for their health they could not eat pork and there many things about seafood or fish, like catfish, things like that, had skin on it. You could not eat that. That was unclean. And the problems with those types of things are they can be very bad for you if they're not cooked well and if they are uh, uh, not, that there's, they decay rapidly. You can't just keep them. You've got to put them in refrigeration or a freezer and things like that. And they didn't have all that back in those days. They worshiped on the Sabbath day, and that was a sign to Israel of their covenant relationship, Exodus 31, verse 16, 17. But we are not under the Sabbath law today. Some of our Presbyterian friends put on their church signs, you know, Sabbath worship on Sunday at 11 o'clock, or keep the Sabbath. They're not keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Friday evening at sundown until Saturday evening at sundown. And that was the Jewish way of their time of worship. But it's clear in the New Testament, if you read the Bible, that the disciples began to meet on Sunday, the first day of the week, because Jesus was resurrected from the dead on Sunday morning. They went at the tomb at the time of the breaking of day, which was the first day of the week, the Lord's day, Sunday. And so from then on, they met on the Lord's day, Sunday, not on the Sabbath day for worship. Acts 20 and verse 7 reminds us of that. Now, there are some churches that teach you must take communion every Sunday. It's not going to hurt you if you take communion every Sunday. If you're saved, communion is a wonderful thing. But it can become a ritual if it's done every Sunday Sunday. And it can kind of lose some of its meaning to those who use that as a time to repent of sin and clean up their life and draw close to the Lord. That periodic taking of communion, I believe, is much more effective in that way than every Sunday. And, um, but it's nothing wrong with taking communion every Sunday. But it's not a law that you must do that. Um, some talk mysticism, self-abasement. Do you remember any of you seeing in the news that in the Philippines that on a number of those islands when you get around Easter time that some of those young men will crucify themselves to a cross and they will beat themselves with uh, flogs on their back until the blood pours into the streets and that self-abasement trying to earn favor with God. It's like the Catholic priest that learned Romans came to mind. The just shall live by faith. And he was walking on his knees doing penance for his sins. And he got up off his knees and started trusting God. And he wrote to the leadership of the Catholic Church. And of course, they kicked him out because of his beliefs. And that was Martin Luther that became the head of the the Lutheran Church, takes the name of Martin Luther for their beliefs. There are so many things that are taught in the name of religion. The teachers in the time of Colossians would also claim to have visions with God and with angels, and they may have been like the Muslims. They may have had visions with evil spirits that gave them the teaching that they teach. God does not teach people to go out and murder people and do all the things that they teach, and so it did not come from the Lord. It came from uh, Satan or false teachers and the visions the see claiming to see God and hear from God and add to the Bible things that are not in the Bible. The Book of Mormon uses a lot of the Bible as a repeat but they write things that are not in the Bible and this supposedly came to a man who saw a vision and heard these things wrote them down, all that but nobody else saw the angel nobody else had this given unto them. But it became a religion that is a dogma to so many people. Um, Today, if you talk to people you work with or live in your neighborhood and stuff, you'll find many people who are not convinced if they died today they would go to heaven. Their faith is not strong enough. They're not sure their beliefs are accurate enough. And so many people are in that situation. And that's easy to influence because, after all, we all struggle with the flesh, the sinful nature, and we still struggle with the battle of sin. And so we don't feel worthy to go to heaven or meet the Lord or be ready to be with the Lord, but except for what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches us if you're genuinely saved, then you're kept by the power of God, ready to be revealed in the last time. So many people are confused. They compare themselves with others. If you compare yourself to me, you're fine. If I'm going to heaven, everybody's going. You know, that's the attitude. And people say, that person over there, he's supposed to be a preacher. He's supposed to be a Christian. He does this and does that. And and so I know I'm going if he's going, you know. Well, they're not going to be compared with me or you. They're going to be compared with Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the desire we have if we know the Lord is to live in holiness and righteousness and please the Lord with our daily walk. True biblical knowledge is not speculative. It is in obedience to the Word of God. The society in which we live denies absolutes from the Bible, particularly in areas of morality. And without a source of authority to provide absolute standards to live by, then it's just a matter of opinion. And everybody's got an opinion and most of them are not worth anything more than your opinion is, you know. And we all have opinions. Christians know that morals and values have absolutes from God. The teachings of the Bible on how we are supposed to live and how we can live for God by yielding ourselves to Him and reading the Word of God and putting into practice in daily life our walk with God being led from the Spirit of God through the Word of God. We we know the Word of God gives us truth and standards of faith and conduct. We see that what we believe can be seen in Christians in our behavior. The things we say, I abstain from that because I don't feel comfortable as a Christian doing that, And as a Christian, I do these things. I go to church regularly. I give of my income. I'm a witness for Christ. I I want to see people get saved. I send money to missions. All these things that are normal for Christian people to do in our behavior, we are living out our faith that is real to us on the inside. Ignorance is no excuse from the Bible. The lost world is unsaved. They're going to stand before God in judgment and spend an eternity in hell without knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And if they say, well, I just didn't know that, well, ignorance is no excuse. It's certainly been taught and preached and written and broadcasted. But we as Christians are responsible to pass the Word along, to share the Word of God, to be a witness of the testimony of Christ. We are accountable to God for our doctrine, our foundation to godly living, knowing the teachings of the Bible, the doctrine. In Romans chapter 1 through 11, the Bible teaches doctrine, and then in the remainder of the chapter, it turns to godly living. In Galatians 1 through 4, it's doctrinal, and then practical Christian living. Same is true with Ephesians 1 through 3, shows our position in Christ, results in how we live in chapter 4 through 6. Same is true in Philippians and Colossians. These are ways that we understand what the Bible teaches and then we put them into practice so we live what the Bible teaches. Proverbs 19 2 says there's a danger in a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 6 My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the laws of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Hosea 4, 6, and verse 1 through 3 that teaches these things. Ephesians 4 shows that the ministry of the church is to make a way for the saints of God to do the work of the ministry of, for the edifying of the whole body, that we grow to spiritual maturity, that we might please the Lord in our life, and we might walk with God, so that we are not immature Christians who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or teaching of the Bible that comes along, or teaching that's not in the Bible that comes along. I remember some years ago during the, the charismatic movement of the Pentecostal church, the faith-healing turned to prosperity teaching, how to get rich from God. And there was a church up here near where the old PTL was that they had somebody in the attic dropping bills of money down to people in the congregation. And they said that was coming from God in heaven, you know, that He was dropping down money to them. I almost went and visited myself, you know, but... (laughs) I learned they weren't giving out too big a bills, you know. But that's false teaching, friends, and, and that's, that's not how God works. So these people were being tossed to and fro and carried about with every new teaching that came along. For a while, they went through this thing called a laughing revival. I like to laugh. I like to see humor. I like to see people smile. But that laughing revival was not the Holy Spirit causing people to fall out on the floor and flop around laughing and so overcome with giggling that they couldn't stand up straight and all that. I just don't understand anybody who reads the Bible and goes to church faithfully falling for that kind of teaching. But they do. The darkened understanding, they follow ignorance, the Scripture says. We must desire the knowledge to grow through the Word of God. First uh, Thessalonians 4:3. It is God's will, our sanctification, that we are separated from evil and unto God in righteousness. In everything we do, we are to give God thanks. First Thessalonians 5: verse number 18. We are to walk worthy. First 1 Colossians 1:10 1, says of the Lord. Ephesians 4:1 through 3 says we are to walk humbly with our God. Romans 13.13, we're to walk in purity. In 1 Corinthians 7.17, we're to be content in our walk with God. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. In Ephesians 2.10, we're to walk in good works. That's being fruitful in every good work, as the Scripture says. We're to walk not... As the world walks, Ephesians 4, 17-32, maybe how you lived before you got saved, the walk of your life, what your life was all about before you came to know Christ as your Savior. We're to walk in love in Ephesians 5, 2. We're to walk in light. We were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, Ephesians 5, 8. We walk in wisdom, Ephesians 5.15. It tells us to walk circumspectly. That means carefully. As we walk in this world, there are many dangers to our beliefs and our faith. And so we need to walk carefully in this world, not be influenced by outside things that are not true in the Word of God. People influence people. And so we must be careful about being influenced. We should be the influencer with God's word and standing true to it. In 3 John verse 3 and 4, we're to walk in truth. Such a walk pleases God and is acceptable to Him and it is for our good and our best. If we obey God and walk with God daily, that is for our best. It is for our good. It will result in God's blessings upon us. And then the end result of that in Colossians 1.28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. One day we're going to stand before God. And if you know Christ is your Savior, you're going to be so thankful that you're saved. And you're going to be thankful if you've read your Bible and studied it and put it into practice in your life. You're going to be rewarded for your faithfulness in this life. The goal of Paul and Epaphras both in Colossians 4.12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Paul said he labored to the point of exhaustion himself for the ministry's sake, for others' sake, that people could be saved. It requires labor and striving, agonizing, a maximum effort. That uh, in the sports world, I was talking with Thomas about playing football and, and he was talking about the other night they had a game, it was so hot, they delayed the game by 30 minutes but that really didn't help a whole lot and the other team didn't have an air conditioned gymnasium for them to wait in to play the game, they had to go sit outside And just see if they could find some shade, you know, to sit in to be ready for the game. As you all know, that takes it out of you so much to sit out in the sun for hours and hours and work out in the sun for hours. It is difficult. And as we live in this world, we we drain not only our physical being, but we drain our spiritual strengths being associated with this world in which we live. Now we're to make sure, chapter 2 and verse number 6, that we walk with the Lord. We saw, like in 2 Corinthians 4.2, we're not to walk according to this world. We're to walk in holiness in Romans 6. We've been raised to walk in newness of life, the Scripture says. Galatians 5.16 says we're to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So we have to beware false teachers in this life, as they had them in Colossae, still have them today. Some are teaching the same things, going around in places that were going around at Colossae in that day. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Never let anyone lower the deity of Jesus Christ to you. Stand on the truth of the Word of God, that I'm saved because I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And all I need is in Jesus Christ. He's at work in us. You are complete in Him, who is the head of all principalities and power. Salvation consists of a union with Jesus Christ, not dependent upon inferior beings like angels or spirits or churches or laws or rules and regulations were saved by grace through faith. That is a clear Bible teaching. When Paul was in prison, he'd been beaten, thrown in prison, and Silas was with him, and they sang praise to God, and God sent an earthquake and broke the jail apart. And the jailer came trembling and fell down before him, and he asked this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they didn't give him a long list of things he had to do in order to be saved. They simply said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He took them home to wash their wounds and not only did he get saved, his whole household got saved and was baptized because of Paul and Silas being witnesses for Christ. God spoke previously Through prophets, Hebrews says in chapter 1 verse 2, but now has spoken unto us by His Son. And now He speaks unto us by His Word and by His Spirit who leads us and enlightens us in the Bible and its teachings. Angels are servants of God who worship Him. And we are to do the same. We are to worship the Lord and we are to be His servants. He is the creator of heaven and earth, and those things will perish. But he is eternal and will live on forever and forever. Christ remains unchanged. He's immutable theologically is what the term is used, meaning he's unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank God for that, my friends. There's so many things in this world that change, but God never changes. And we can praise the Lord for that. He was greater than the angels, greater than Moses. Moses was a faithful servant of God, but Jesus is the faithful son of God. Joshua led Israel into the land of rest, but Jesus gives us a greater rest than going into Canaan land. We have the rest of salvation that we're saved and kept by the power of God. Aaron was uh, the first high priest. And after he died, his eldest son would become the high priest. The tribe of Levi was where Moses and Aaron were both from. And the priesthood came from the tribe of Levi. But Jesus is a greater high priest after a different order, the order of Melchizedek, which did not require that he come from a certain tribe. Though he was from the tribe of Judah where the kings came from, he's still a high priest who is above all high priests who are human because they die. They don't continue to live to make intercession for people. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. And so he is exalted above all men. He saves to the uttermost. He made a better covenant, the New Testament versus the Old Testament. And he made a better sacrifice. It's not the blood of bulls and goats and all those things that wash sin away. They were a type of what Christ would do when he died on the cross and shed his blood. And his blood washes sin away forever and forever. I like this one. Never to be remembered against you again. When you confess your sin to God, he cleanses you of your sin. And it is not held against you in the future. Jesus said, a body thou hast prepared me to die on the cross, not a goat or a bull to offer on behalf of sin. So when Paul prayed in Colossians and talked about our walk with God, he was consistent in his walk and in his prayer. He made intercession on behalf of of other people, and the church at Colossae followed in doing these things. His prayer was incorporated into his daily devotion for all these churches where he had written the letters of God to them we call books of the Bible. His prayer involved specific requests for people. And we ought to be specific when we pray. Not just Lord bless him. You know, Lord, heal his body of this disease he's going through. Lord, meet their need financially. Lord, heal the knee of Carolyn Elison that she doesn't continue to have a problem with it. And we be specific as we pray on behalf of one another. Paul's teaching on his walk with God is spiritual people live spiritual lives. How important it is for you and me. Paul desired these Christians at Colossae and at Laodicea be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we still have that need today. We still have that prayer today. This manifests itself in a genuine, humble desire to please God and to walk with God. Our walk is motivated by the desire that we want to please God and how we live, and what we say, and what we do from day to day. God's Word gives us the equipment that we need so that we can live that life and be pleasing and acceptable in His sight. We saw last that uh, being fruitful in every good work in Christ, and that uh, we have been, in verse 13, says in chapter 1, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son translated us into a different kingdom, the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness where Satan has rule. When I was wounded in Vietnam, I was medevaced on a helicopter, a big CH-53 with the cargo bay door at the back. There were 13 of us medevaced at the same time to a field hospital. Even an enemy that was wounded that was not dead was medevaced with us to be treated just as good as we were and I was treated in Vietnam, and then into a Quonset hut hospital in Vietnam, and then after two weeks they saw I was gonna live, they put me on a jet hanging in a gurney and flew me to Yakuska, Japan. Actually landed at Tachikawa Air Base, and then bused down to Yakuska, Japan Naval Hospital. Then after 30 days in that hospital, I was taken to Okinawa. I was translated from one country to another country, to another country so they could meet the need of the wounds that I had and God has translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light to meet all your needs and supply all the needs that you have through his word and by his spirit let us praise God and seek to walk with him daily let us tell others about him Right now we're looking forward to friend day and we've got these little cards and this is a great opportunity for you to say to somebody, hey, do you have a church you go to regularly? And I'd like you to come and visit our church if you don't. At 17th, man, that'd be a great day. You'd be my friend. I don't have many friends and I'd like for you to sit with me and be my friend, you know. And uh, just use what you can, you know. And if you get somebody to promise you, yeah, we're coming, I'll tell you if you want them here, call them Sunday morning. Hey, hey, Today's the day. Don't forget now. I'll see you at church at 11. Meet me, you know, coming in the doors, and I'll sit with you. That's what happened to Joy and I. We got invited to come to church, and we agreed to come, and the guy called us on Sunday morning and said, Are Y'all coming? <laughs> He said, yeah, you know, we got a baby. We're not coming for Sunday school. We're going to come at 11 o'clock, you know. He said, all right, I'll meet you there then. And we both got saved that day. God's mercy is good. And if you're saved, we should be thankful to God and seek to walk with Him, pleasing Him for what He's done for us. Lord, I thank You for Your Word today and for all of Your people that are here. We pray You'd bless them with strength and help to be good witnesses for Christ. And to enjoy their journey with the Lord until you call us home in Christ. So Father, bless today in the invitational time. Helps to make the decisions we should make before we leave this place. Deal with our hearts by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.